What's up, everybody? Welcome to Call to the Bullpen. I'm David Payne with Brad Zampar and Jimmy Miller. Let's play ball. So last week, we revealed our all-star ballots. Uh, This week, it's time to reveal the mid-season all-MLB team. That's our version of uh, an all-star team of players from both leagues, uh, the best of the best from the first half of the MLB season this year, uh, 2022. Uh, And I'm going to kick things off in the outfield where uh, it's actually not a very uh, bipartisan both leagues. It's, It's American League dominated with three American League outfielders going from right to left, starting with uh, our MVP favorite in the last awards power rankings, Aaron Judge in right field, uh, a no-brainer there for the AL. Then moving over to center field, uh, the perennial all-star and best player in baseball, Mike Trout there. Again, uh, no surprise. Uh, and here's where you might have a bit of a surprise on this one. In left field, as uh, Jordan Alvarez. Um, you might think that he's a DH, but as, as Brad points out, he played more games in the outfield than at DH thus far this year. Uh, and you're going to see why that DH spot needed to be available uh, in a little bit. But the outfield from left to right, Judge, Trout, and Jordan Alvarez. Uh, and Jim, I'll let you go with the infielders. So much like the outfield that was AL dominant, we have the infield, four NL guys. First base, you got Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals. Second base, Jeff McNeil, the Mets shortstop. Trey Turner of the Dodgers. And at third base, you got Manny Machado of the Padres. How much did that hurt you to say Manny Machado of the Padres there? Did that hurt? Because I know you're a hater. I mean, he's deserving of it for sure. I mean, at at the end of the day, it's all about, you know, the best players on the field. You know, they should be there, like him or not. Respect. And Brad, you want to do our pitcher, DH, relief pitcher and catcher? Yep. So our DH is going to be Bryce Harper. He's well-deserving, even though he suffered that injury. At starting pitcher, it wasn't really close as Sandy Elkin. Alcantara just dominated the field all through the beginning portion of the year. And the reliever is going to be Josh Hader, who has just dominated at the back end of that dominant Brewers bullpen. And then we got Alejandro Kirk behind the dish as well. So a little more balance there with it, at least throwing in one AL guy there. But yeah, we needed that DH spot open for Bryce there. He, he played pretty much all of his games this year at DH. At the time he went down, he was, in my opinion, the clear favorite for the National League MVP award. Uh, and this is a first half thing. So regardless of if he's going to be playing in the second half or not, we had to have that DH spot for him, uh, which put Jordan Alvarez in the outfield. Now, we need to to talk about the All-Star game because something that you'll notice missing from the lineup is Jordan Alvarez, who is by far and away the best hitter in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, And instead, Giancarlo Stanton is starting in left field for the American League. So let's talk about some All-Star snubs there because this isn't the only one. Um, So first off, the issue was Jordan was placed at a DH, which going up against Shohei Otani and fan voting – it's impossible. You can't, you can't beat him out. It didn't matter who it was. It didn't matter if it was, you know, Babe Ruth himself. He wasn't going to beat out Shohei for that D, uh, DH spot. And then you, you have Jordan who's played more games in the outfield, um, get snubbed there for Giancarlo Stanton, who granted, you know, played very well. And this is actually the first time since Judge and Stanton have been Yankees that they're both starting the all-star game. So that's a, I mean, a cool thing, but a, the guy got completely snubbed. It's, it's a, it's unfair. It's upsetting. And he's not the only one. Um, Brad, I know that you're, you're probably extra upset about this one being a Jordan stand. 
Yeah, he's he's been my MVP favorite since spring training, and it's it's really been tough to see him go against Shohei, which you were saying he has just no chance again against a player of that caliber with that much popularity in the general population. It's tough, but I'm I'm sure he'll come back with a vengeance in the second half and rip that MVP away from Jordan or from uh, Judge. From Jordan, Mike, Michael Jordan. <laughs> Michael Jordan, yes. Is um yeah. Now, Jim, I know that 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 can't be the only one that's bothering you specifically. Uh, the fact that apparently swag wins over talent. Um, talking about second base in the National League there with Jazz Chisholm, who yeah, has played well, but uh, you just heard Jeff McNeil is our all MLB midseason second baseman and should be the, the starting all-star guy there. Uh, so that one's got to rub you the wrong way. Yeah, as, as much as I like Jazz and as good as he's been this year, he's missed a ton of games. I think he's on the IL as we speak. To me, you know, Jeff's been durable. I think he's only missed a few games. Yeah, he's split time in the outfield, but you think he's played the majority of his games at second. To me, he should be starting. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, if you look on baseball reference, it's going to say all-star, whether he was the starting player or the last player to make it on the team. So to me, it's whatever. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but I think it, it would be nice to have that Mets representation out there on the field starting the game, considering how good they've been this season. Um, but that's not the only case where swag seemed to win out over talent. Um, you had Tim Anderson winning the shortstop. He's played well, but I think Xander Bogarts probably should should have been the guy there for the American League. Um, but T.A. is outspoken. He's the swaggy. Uh, the ESPN co- compared him to Tony Gwynn, which don't even get me started on that one. We we talked about that in private yesterday. Um, but that, that and then Vlad Guerrero at at first base as well over Ty France. So a couple of times that, that big, not, name... e- not even just Ty France, Luis Arise deserved to be there. I don't care that he doesn't have the power numbers of the average first baseman. He's leading the major leagues in, in average right now. It's it. I don't care if average doesn't matter anymore. Hitting 350 takes a lot of skill in this league. Yeah. I, that's, that's something that's, uh, uh, you know, 330 is heard of three, 340 even, but 350 at this point in the season is, is pretty special. But yeah, you see the the swag and, and the name went out there and it's it's unfortunate. But I guess, like you said, at the end of the day, uh, they are all stars. Now, uh, let's let's talk more about something that you guys seem to be a little bothered about when it comes to that title of all star. Uh, and that is Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols are honorary all stars uh, via the commissioner uh, having the ability to appoint uh, legends as all stars. Uh, and this year, Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera both got all-star nods via Commissioner Rob Manfred. And I, I know that you guys were a bit outspoken about that in our group chat yesterday. So uh, I think, Brad, you're you're more in the middle, um, and Jimmy seems to be more hot. So I'll let Jimmy start with, with what he's thinking about all this. Yeah, to me, I, I wouldn't mind if they did like a, like, like a pregame, you know, compilation of his best moments you know poo holes and kind of had to do like a curtain call or a little speech or you know being a dugout with the players but to me to name him an all-star when he's hitting what, like 200 it's not like the greatest look for the game in my opinion as good of a player as he's been and you know we've kind of been ragging on fan voting as being very biased to the popular players and, and now we're going to appoint somebody who obviously was you know an all-time great to be an all-star when he's not deserving of his performance Miggy, I think he's hitting like 305 in the year. I think he's the best hitter on the Tigers, most hits on the team. And you have to have, I think, one player per team, you know, make the roster. 
So I wouldn't really have a problem with him on the team. But to me, Pujols should not be all-star. You know, like I said, maybe have some sort of ceremony for him before the game. But, yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, Pujols, I don't have a problem with him being there. Like, I I would definitely am going to watch. I'm going to watch his one at-bat in the all-star game. But I think when it comes down to, I just don't want him to be labeled as an all-star for that year. Because he, he's been nowhere near an all-star this year as much as I would want him to be. And even in the past decade, he's been an all-star once, and that was in 2016. But with Miggy's case, it's it's interesting because Miggy's not in his retirement year. He's more of a guy. He's going to play another year or two maybe. And it's tough to just give him an honorary vote to a guy who's going to be playing more years in the league. I feel like that should be reserved for somebody who's going to be retiring at the end of the year and you want to celebrate his entire career for him being at all-star games and his entire career accolades. But for Miggy to win it, it's just, it's really questionable for me because it's, it's, he, he could be, he could regain his power somehow next year and he'd be an actual all-star. And then how, what are you going to say? Oh, he's an, he's an all-star game starter next year instead of an honorable mention. Listen, here's the deal. I'll tell you why Miguel Cabrera got the honorary all-star nod. There, there was no other way for Rob Manfred to justify putting a Detroit Tiger on the all-star team. They're so bad. They're so bad. It was the only way that they could possibly justify someone from that trash barrel of a team making it to the all-star game. There was, there's just no other way. There's nobody else that's even remotely redeemable on that team. And, and even Miguel Cabrera was, they were like, oh man, this guy's like 37, 38, fuck it, legend. He's, he's in the game. Wait, 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 does, does he count as their nominee for the All-Star game? He's got to. There's no one else. Who else from that team can you even consider a, an All-Star? Scoobles is the only guy that would come to mind. It was, it was the only way for them to get someone from that team there. But listen. I, as far as your, your thing about them getting the title of all-star, I think it just doesn't matter. I think that, you know, they're not young guys where they're going to take the all-star appearances to an arbitration hearing it, you know, the guys put in 22 years of service. He's been an all-star 10 times. What does it hurt? to to label him an all-star for an 11th time it's not gonna change you know it's not gonna make or break his hall of fame case he's a first ballot hall of famer top 50 player of all time it's not gonna change his legacy it's not gonna change his accolades it's not something that where he's taking a a spot from you know i could see for sure if he was taking an all-star spot away from someone for sure that being an issue but Hey, even with Miguel Cabrera, first ballot Hall of Famer, they're they're two of the of eight guys in MLB history to have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. I mean, the, don't we kind of owe it to them to to say, you know, hey, you get to come to the game and and we'll celebrate you on the stage with you know all 30 teams there and everyone watching. And you know, to your point about Miguel Cabrera, this could be his last year. We don't know. He could hang it up at, at any time, and you know, it, maybe it's not likely that he does, but maybe he's so sick of being around that terrible Detroit Tigers team that can't even get into contact with their you know, big free agent pitcher signing that he just says, screw it, I would, I would rather sit home than be a part of this disaster. So you, you never know. Maybe it is his, his last year, and maybe he never gets to get to the All-Star game again. Maybe they have their eyes on someone for next year um, to nominate already. Um, maybe next year is like a Verlander kind of thing where he, he gets the nod, um, 
So uh, I don't know. I, I just don't have any problem with it. And I think that overall, it's really good for baseball um, to have those guys there, to have those legends there. I think it's exciting for the young players that make it to have those legends there. And I think it's something that will get eyes on the game as well. And uh, I almost wish that this was a thing when Jeter, Mariano, Ortiz, uh, you know, oh, some of them were good enough and they're like, like Ortiz put up MVP numbers in his last season. But, you know, some of these guys who on the back end of their careers, we could have celebrated a, a little bit more. And I think especially with Pujols not asking for a farewell tour at all the stadiums, like the, there's got to be something where, you know, you celebrate him. And I honestly, Jim, I think it will be like what you said. I think it will be like a little ceremony. He gets one at bat. And that's it. I don't think it's going to be, you know, he's not starting. He's not going to get three at bats. He's not going to touch the field. Um, but I, I think one at bat and they'll throw a nice video montage up for him is exactly what it's going to be. Um, so I don't know. No, no problem with it for me. I mean, this, if this isn't the all-star game where we decide home field advantage in the world series anymore, this is the all-star game where Nelson Cruz takes selfies with Joe West at the plate. And we got guys you know, doing interviews in the outfield during the game. So it's a complete joke as it is. So why, you know, why not have some more fun with it is my opinion. Um, now, speaking of teams uh, that uh, are going to send just their one representative to the all-star game, uh, we got to talk about the uh, the red hot Baltimore Orioles right now. Um, Austin Hayes didn't get voted in. Uh, who who is our all star rep, Brad? Jorge Lopez, not close. Yeah, it, it's kind of got to be, and good for him too. Couldn't couldn't be a better guy, right? Like the the story with with him and his son, and going from starter to closer, and really finding it there. It's a, a great story, and we're gonna love to see that. Um, but we get. Uh, it's July 9th right now. The Baltimore Orioles are three games under 500 and four games out of a wild card spot. And the trade deadline's coming up. And we have absolutely no idea what this is going to look like for the first time since 20, I mean, 2018, we went for it. So the first time since 2019, we don't know what a trade deadline is going to look like for the Baltimore Orioles and we're in contention and by far the best fifth place team in baseball our third place team in almost every other division in baseball uh, and only five games out of second place in the stacked American League East. Uh, so there's something special brewing there and I don't know what it turns into you and I have a little bit of different opinions of what it could turn into. I think that there could be a strong push for major league talent at the deadline. Uh, and I think that this could be a, a 500 or maybe slightly over team at the end of the season. Um, but I also think that largely depends on where you're at come the trade deadline. You know, if you're still four games out of a wild card spot though, and you don't go for it, that's a little pathetic in my opinion. I think, you know, go, go for it in a sense that you're not sacrificing the, the future and the rebuild, but trading off, you know, uh, uncontrollable pieces uh, like Anthony Santander, unfortunately, as much as it pains us to say, Trey Mancini, um, you know, trading off those guys with no future for the team. Um, and, and I would like to throw something out there to Jim that I've been saying to Brad and saying on Twitter for a couple of days now, which would be that you guys need a DH and we have a Trey Mancini and you are getting a Jacob deGrom and you just got Max Scherzer back. And I would say, Trey Mancini, uh, arm like Keegan Aiken, and you guys give us David Peterson. 
<laughs> yeah, meh, meh. I mean, it's okay. I mean, Trey Mancini is pretty versatile. Doesn't really have the power that you'd like to see out of the DH, but maybe you should put Alonzo at DH full-time and put Trey at first or left field. And You know, the, the Mets have plenty of options. That wouldn't be the worst trade in the world, but they, they do need, like, a good lefty arm, and Aiken's been very good this year. Yeah, it, it, it's I been gotta, tough. Hold on. I got to yeah, – cool. you guys talk. I got to grab my computer charger. You guys talk. Talk about this. Okay. Yeah, I think I think Trey would be a good fit for the Mets. That's just I, I feel like he's been destroyed by that left field wall in Baltimore this year. Like he, I think his he would have twenty two home runs in Cincinnati right now if that was his if he played there every game. I know he's gotten like four or five home runs taken away from that wall in left field, but in sense in sense to the Orioles, I think they should be looking to buy at the deadline regardless if they're in contention for a wild card this year or not. But I think they should be looking to buy for guys who have team control and they're going to be difference makers for them in the long run for their open window of contention. Like a guy for like a guy like Keitel Marte, if Arizona made him available, I would have no problem with shipping out prospects for him and making a deal for him because I feel like he'd be a good guy inside of Camden Yards. Swing kind of fits that short porch and right with the wall. Really plays second base, which is a, a big need for this team right now with no real solution in the short term. But I feel like as long as the Orioles are looking like a team that needs to look towards the future, as long as you're not sacrificing anything in the short term, you should be looking to buy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think with the expanded playoffs that we're seeing in the future, I, I, it's making fifth place teams, you know, think that they can make a run at it. And we're, I think we're going to see the teams give up a lot more to get a player to deadline that's going to impact them at, at the present. So I, I, I think it's going to be very tough for like a team like the Orioles to bring in talent without giving up the, you know, the many good prospects that they have, because there's going to be a bunch of other teams looking to trade now, you know, that, almost half the teams are going to make the playoffs compared to how it was before. Um, now, I, I think that that fact might make teams a bit more desperate to get the piece that they're after and make them more willing to give up, uh, you know, overpay per se, you know, if, if they really feel like they need that piece to set themselves apart from the pack. Um, Brad, I was thinking more along the lines of controllable starting pitching. It seems like you're thinking uh, of bats, um, I, you know, I think with the amount of outfield prospects we have, I'm, I don't know, maybe see how some of them pan out, but also you could, you could ship one off if you wanted to do like a Pablo Lopez deal. You know, we have eight, top, eight outfielders in our top 30 prospects and another five at the major league level. That's 13 outfielders for three spots. Um, so eventually some of those guys are going to have to go. Michael Elias has been open about the day when we package uh, a couple of our top offensive prospects for someone's ace. Um, you know, depending on where we're at at the deadline, maybe that trade comes this year. Um, maybe that's you know sooner rather than later. A, a couple, you know, I just mentioned Pablo Lopez. I mentioned David Peterson and I'm, and Blake Snell would be uh, three names that come to mind as potential uh, arms uh, that we could could go get at the deadline. But also, it, it depends. You know, if if you're seven, eight out at the deadline, you're not making any kind of impactful move like that just yet. Maybe. Um, but but you never know. Now, I think it's the time we've seen a couple of years where trades need to be for prospects. Trades need to be for guys that aren't coming up for three, four years. 
Um, and, and we're not at that point anymore. We're at the point where trade should supplement the major league team for this year and years to come. Um, so I, I think it's going to be really exciting to see what that comes down to. But I just want to throw this stat out right here is that since May 21st, the Baltimore Orioles are 24 and 20 after a 16 and 24 start. What happened on May 21st? was Adley Rushman was called up to the major leagues and they've played four games above 500 ball since then after playing eight games below 500 ball. Uh, so that's the Adley Rushman effect right there. Um, and you have to imagine if John means and Grayson Rodriguez are healthy, this team is going for it hard at the deadline, but that's unfortunately not the reality of where we're at. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens come deadline time. Um, now my, my target would be Luis Castillo of the Reds. He would be the one guy that I would go out and, ship i would i would probably ship out a top five six seven prospect for him yeah and i and i mean you would you would really have to for him because the santander and mancini piece probably aren't very attractive to them being guys with you know only one year left on their contracts after this it you know that's not super enticing to the reds but like i said there's gonna be that point where you, you know we're not going to it's it's the same along the same lines as you know the cubs the cubs don't regret giving up Glaber Torres and company for Aroldis Chapman because it got them a World Series championship. You know, I I would ship out any prospect for a, a World Series title. So you know, it's going to be sad when that day comes, and and I wish the guys who get traded the best. And it's going to suck to see them succeed other places because they are good players and good prospects. But when that day comes and we go and get that frontline starting pitcher, uh, it, it's it's going to be a bittersweet day, but more sweet than bitter, I think. Now, going off of Adley Rutschman, you might have seen him just come in fourth place in our AL Rookie of the Year poll uh, for the midseason, or not midseason, um, award power rankings for July. Um, let's talk about the top guy, Julio Rodriguez, because they're talking about potential for an, an MVP run for him uh, on top of Rookie of the Year here. Um, and Brad pointed out the last rookie to get uh, an MVP vote was also a Seattle Mariner. Uh, and Ichiro, who obviously his rookie campaign, one of the greatest seasons of all time. Um, and, and, you know, his his rookie is a little bit different than the Julio rookie, seeing as he had years of pro ball under his belt, already what, a thousand hits under his belt when he came over here. Um, and we are talking about the greatest pure hitter of all time. Um, but it, I mean, what J-Rod is doing, um, you know, you might think that coming into the year, uh, Adley was your rookie of the year favorite or Bobby Witt was your rookie of the year favorite, but this guy's pretty much cemented in that top spot. Now he would have to go on a pretty bad streak or, or get a pretty bad injury to lose that top spot. Um, but, but what are we looking at here? MVP wise? I think that, you know, he'll, he'll definitely get some votes, uh, but I don't think judge or trout is going to go anywhere. We'll see Otani. So I, I think that he might get some like a couple MVP votes, but it's 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 going to be really tough given how good the race is this year, um, especially since he's an outfielder. You know, all those other top guys in the race basically are outfielders and having better seasons. So I don't really see how you could justify putting you know J Rod as much as I like him over those guys. But it's definitely going to be an interesting race. He could do everything great. You know, I think if you know Julio maybe puts together like a 25-25 season or 30-30 season as a rookie then potentially um he might get some votes but it's gonna be very tough yeah i think he gets a few top 10 votes i don't know if he'll finish top 10 in the overall voting but i think he'll definitely break the curse of a rookie not getting mvp votes since each euro i feel like it's it's going to be tough for him to just continue to 
try to keep up the pace that he's on along with the other guys in the AL as it is because the AL is a lot more top heavy than the NL is. So I would, I would, I would say it's a lot harder for him to put together a MVP resume in the NL or in the AL that is. Yeah. I mean, we've kind of discussed that um, the MVP is a weird question with Shohei and, and all of that. So, I mean, I, I don't think there's any chance that, he wins it. And I honestly don't think that there's any chance that anyone but Shohei wins it at the end of the day. I think that the voters think along the same lines as that, that, you know, if Shohei does what he does, he's the MVP. Um, I'd like to point out the guys who received uh, votes in the latest MLB.com poll. Um, the, the top five were uh, Judge 1, J-Ram 2, Trout 3, Devers four, Jordan five. And this is some of the actual voters. Um, And then others that received votes was Shohei, Vlad Jr., Buxton, Verlander got some MVP votes, Uh, Kyle Tucker, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Luis Arias, and Xander Bogarts. So he he did not get any votes in the last uh, MLB.com poll with some of the actual writers. Um, but it's still early in the year, and um, he's got, what, 22 bombs or something like that? I mean, he hits 40 bombs as a rookie. It's hard not to throw a, a, a vote or two his way. I mean, and honestly, 40 bombs as a rookie maybe even gets you a three, four first-place votes. So it's it's possible. I'm not going to rule it out, um, but I think that at the end of the day, regardless, he's taking home that Rookie of the Year trophy. Now, that wraps it up for Quick Hits. Jimmy, who are MLB Players of the Week this week? So AL Player of the Week comes as a surprise. Off to a slow start was Josh Donaldson of the Yankees. 286 batting average in the past week, not that impressive, but he's had some big hits against the Red Sox etching his name to that rivalry. Six hits, three home runs, nine RBI, a 714 slug, and a 1019 OPS. NL Player of the Week is Austin Riley of the Braves. Ten hits, 42 or four doubles, uh, 413 batting average, 708 slugging percentage and 11.50 OPS. AL Pitcher of the Week, a new guy in Tristan McKenzie of the Guardians. Seven scoreless, seven strikeouts, one hit and just one walk performance against the potent Yankees lineup on Sunday the 3rd en route to a 2-0 win. NL Pitcher of the Week is Zach Wheeler of the Phillies. Over two starts, 2-0 record, 14 innings pitched, no runs, 10 strikeouts and just two walks. AL Rookie of the Week, Bo Bresky of the Tigers. Um, he had a six and a third inning pitch, no earned run, two hit and one walk performance in the 2-1 victory over the White Sox on Thursday. NL Rookie of the Week, a new face in Michael Harris, the second of the Braves. He had seven hits, three of them home runs, six RBIs, a 318 batting average, and a 773 slug for the Braves. Oh, so even though we threw some shade at the Tigers, they still pulled out the, the Rookie of the Week. And, you know... They're on a six-game win streak, so you know, doing something right right now. Uh, but, Brad, our minor league players of the week, I know we're going to sound biased with this first one, especially is, is this two weeks in a row now? It is two weeks in a row. Wow. Hey, it's it's like week, uh, what is it, week 14 right now or something? So it, and that's the, the third time. That's, uh, you know, three out of 14. You're good. On the on the AAA level, it's going to be going back to the Baltimore Royal affiliate. It's going to be D.L. Hall. He's a starting pitcher for the Norfolk Tides. He's 23 years old, which is a 2017 first-round pick out of a Georgia high school. 
He's fourth in their system, 67th in baseball. And uh, since a pitch tipping adjustment, he made a couple starts ago. He's really figured it out. And this past week in Jacksonville, he went six innings, allowed three hits, gave up one run, and struck out 14 to two walks. Double A, it's going to be Chase Pinder. He's an outfielder for the Springfield Cardinals. A little older for a double A guy. He's 26 years old. It's a 2017 seventh round pick out of Clemson. He's the brother of uh, A's outfielder, Ch- uh, Chad Pinder. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, he, who uh, Chase is now enjoying his best, best season inside of his league. Wow, we can we can somewhat hear you, but you're not moving. Hello, hello. When, when did you lose back. me? Um, right at right at the Chad Pinder bit, but I think we got through Chase Pinder. Oh, apparently lost you again. All right, on the double A or on the the high A level. Yeah. All right, are you so back? On the high A level. We'll go with yeah. Aaron go. Zavala. <laughs> I'm back. High A level. Aaron Zavla. He's an outfielder for the Hickory Cradads. He was a 2021 second round pick out of Oregon. He's 22 years old. He's 11th in the Rangers system right now. And his hit tool is the best one. Is his best tool. And I think he could debut sometime early next year. This past week, he was six for 19, homered three times, drove in five, had an on base percentage of a 538. And his OPS was a 1335. Low A was Marcos Castanon. He's a shortstop for the Lake Esnor Storm. He's 23 years old. He's not inside their top 30. He was a 2021 12th round pick out of UC Santa Barbara. This, is, this past week, he was 11 for 25, doubled four times, homered three times, drove in 10, had a 1508 OPS. And I'd just like to point out that, that you mentioned that D.L. Hall uh, player of the week is, is coming off a, a horrendous week the week before, too. So we'll, while we give him the nod, we will acknowledge that there was a horrendous week the week before that. And it wasn't just the pitch tipping, too. It was, it was walks, walks, walks. Um, and the combo of pitch tipping and walks is never going to go well. Um, but you, you know, he figured that out. And the 14 Ks is, is incredibly impressive. So well-deserved there from him. Now, who do we got for our best and worst umpires of the last week? So our best umpire of the week came on Monday. It was July 4th. It was John Tupain. He did the Orioles and Rangers game in Baltimore. Orioles won the game 7-6. to six. His overall accuracy for the day was 99%. Overall consistency was 98%. Called ball accuracy 100%. And his called strike accuracy was 98%. His overall factor for the day was 0. .004 for Baltimore for the day. So just a really good game. He missed one call all day and it came in the top of the first inning. He, the worst umpire of the week is going to be Lance Barrett. He did the game the next day, Tuesday, the 5th of July in Miami with the Angels in town. Uh, his overall accuracy for the day was 89%. Overall consistency was 92%. Cold ball accuracy, 97%. And this is where it went wrong. It was 74% for his cold strike accuracy. And his overall factor for the day was 
1.66 runs for the Angels, and the Marlins only won that game 2-1. to one. So when we say called strike accuracy, are we talking about pitches that were were should be called strikes that weren't, or are we talking about pitches that were called strikes that shouldn't be, or a combo of both? I'm pretty sure it's a combo of both, but I think the majority of them are strikes that were called strikes. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so good day to be a pitcher then. Yes. All right. Now we're going to go to Owen with this week's top five plays. Jumps on the first. Mason Muncy goes up to get it. Now we're going to Cooper for a lesson in baseball history with the colorized photo of the week. Hi everyone and welcome back to Photo of the Week. This week's photo is of Joe Vosmuck. Vosmuck played 14 years in the show from 1930 to 1944. He played for the Cleveland Indians, St. Louis Browns, Boston Red Sox, Brooklyn Dodgers, and Washington Senators. Joe was a one-time All-Star who compiled 18 war, 1,682 hits, 65 home runs, and a career 307, 369, 438 slash line. After his playing career, Joe managed multiple teams in smaller leagues playing at times. Once his life in baseball was over, he spent time as a car and appliance salesman before passing away in 1962. Thanks and back to the guys. Now it is time for our power and sour rankings. We're going to start on the sour side, uh, and we got a, a few teams here that are good teams, but really having some sour skids, uh, starting at number five with the St. Louis Cardinals. I'm uh, going to number four after a two and eight week is the San Francisco Giants, who found themselves uh, up to number six on the power rankings as recently as, as two or three weeks ago. Uh, at three, we've got the Washington Nationals. At two, the Oakland A's. Both of those teams are just horrible. Uh, and at number one, uh, they keep getting worse and worse somehow. Every night, Shohei goes three for four with eight RBIs, and, and Mike Trout hits for the cycle, and they lose still by five runs. Uh, the Angels are the number one team on the sour rankings and only getting more rotten and sour. Now, going to the power rankings, we have a new team breaking into the top five. At number five, the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves have broken their way in. Number four, down to four after Jimmy said he was confident they would hold on to the two. Uh, we got the New York Mets, but uh, still strong, strong team. Just uh, the teams above them playing a little bit better right now. Um, the Dodgers are number three. They've really separated themselves from the Padres in that division um, up to, what is it, like a six-game lead now? Uh, uh, yeah, six-game lead in the division. Um, and then at number two, one and two, the same as before, the Houston Astros at two and the New York Yankees in the number one spot still. 
that wraps it up for this episode of Call to the Bullpen. Uh, you heard me mention the awards power rankings. Go check those out. The July update was just posted last week. Check that out on social media at CTBP Pod. We're also going to be posting that uh, midseason all MLB team. So check that out as well, uh, as well as all the other great content that we post on our socials at CTBP Pod, at the David Payne, at Brad Zampar, at Jimmy underscore Miller four. Uh, And so that wraps it up for this episode and we'll see you all next week with another one.